0: the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Now, as many of you know, and some of you will soon discover, October is a time that we as a church focus on the theme of extravagant generosity, and more specifically on the relationship between faith and money in our life. I understand the resistance that many of us bring to this conversation. And so I want to make you three promises from the get-go. Number one, I promise this conversation will be rooted in grace. Because everything we do here at St. Michael's is rooted in grace. And so this conversation about money will not be any different. Number two, I promise it's going to be theologically grounded. The point is not to tell you what to do, but to remind us who God is and who we are as people made in God's image. And number three, I can promise that you will be glad and feel comforted having engaged fully in this conversation. Now, I can't promise you're not going to feel challenged. I can't promise I'm going to affirm your every impulse. But what I can say is that if you fully engage these next four weeks, you will look back and be very glad that you did. And so that's my promise to you. And my goal for today's sermon is just to lay a foundation by explaining what we mean by the extravagant generosity of God. Okay, so that said, I want to tell you about when I bought my first home back in 2008. I was so very excited. This home was perfect, except for one thing. It had a barren front yard. And after doing a little bit of research, it dawned on me that planting grass was pretty tough work. I'd have to loosen the ground and rake it into a thousand little furrows. The seed had to be scattered evenly and carefully. I would then need to put down wheat straw to hold in the moisture before watering, and on and on went the list of things I had to do. It was very, very hard, demanding work, which is precisely why I never got around to it. But in the research I did... I learned a lot in theory about what makes for a careful gardener. A careful gardener is cautious and strategic. A careful gardener is diligent and methodical. A careful gardener is calculated and selective. And so what on earth is Jesus doing in today's gospel By giving us a story of a gardener who, well, he just throws seed around like it's confetti on New Year's. On the path, the thorns, the rocky ground, the good soil, it doesn't matter. The gardener in Jesus' parable, he throws around seed indiscriminately. He is reckless, extravagant, and anything but calculated, which is shocking, right? Right? Because as we all know, this gardener represents God, meaning that in today's gospel, Jesus compares his father to a reckless, extravagant, and uncalculated gardener. And so here is the question I think we need to ask. What is Jesus saying about the nature of God? And secondly, what does this mean for us as we seek to grow in a life of generosity? Now, you may think you know where I'm going to go with this sermon, that I'm here to tell you to be the good soil, you know, someone who lives sacrificially and generously, to not be greedy and materialistic like those other bad soils. You might assume that I'm here to exhort you to be the good soil. But for two reasons, I can't do that in today's sermon. Number one, I just made you a promise, namely that this conversation would be rooted in grace. And the moment I say what you should do, what you need to do, I've moved away from grace and I've slipped into moralism or coercion. And so, I don't want to break my promise to you. But number two, and this is the real reason, I can't tell you to be the good soil because that's not the point of the parable. Because remember, Jesus never told parables to illustrate well-known conventional truths. Jesus told parables to shatter well-known truths. Because here's the thing, in Jesus' day, everyone was pretty certain they knew who it was that God favored and blessed. The right, the respectable, the religious, and the rule keepers. That was a well-known truth that everyone believed. That God loved the lovely, that God blessed the good, and that he invested only in Good soil. And to say that Jesus told this parable to confirm that belief would be to entirely miss the point. Because the God this parable reveals is not some careful, cautious, strategic, diligent, methodical, calculated, and selective gardener looking for only the best soil to love. No, the God Jesus reveals is like the gardener in today's parable, reckless with his love, extravagantly generous, and in a terrific hurry to sow love wherever he can, on the path, the thorns, the rocky ground, the good soil. It doesn't matter because the nature of God is to be generous and to sow love everywhere. Don't you see, this isn't really a parable about good soil. It's a parable about a generous sower. And that's why before this parable speaks a word about how we should live, it screams volumes about who God is. It tells us God is generous, extravagantly generous, when it comes to sowing his love into creation. Because God loves when we don't love back. He blesses when we don't say thank you. And God sows into our life even when it's surrounded by thorns. And that, by the way, is what the grace of God is all about and what generosity is all about. So I read a story this week about a dolphin who was rescued from a pond after being trapped by a storm surge during Hurricane Laura. This pond was nine miles inland, and three different organizations had to come together to restore her to health and to transport this dolphin back to the Gulf of Mexico. In reading this article, it occurred to me that this story is really a metaphor for our life. Because here we are, created by God, to swim in an expansive ocean of joy, care, well-being, and love. But in time, the winds of culture and a hurricane of false promises, they sweep us into a much smaller and more confined space. Insisting that happiness is found in objects, that money and resources are scarce, and that the only sane way to live is to be very careful and very diligent and very calculated to make sure we have enough for ourselves. And as we make this choice over time, two things happen. Number one, the pond feels smaller and smaller and smaller, and that makes us feel a lot more afraid and alone. And then, number two, and this is the real tragedy, in time we forget there's an ocean and that God created us to live an abundant life and swim in a much larger and more expansive space. And that abundance of life, that larger space, is what this conversation about faith and money is all about. Don't you see, I'm not here to tell us that we all need to get by with less as we struggle to adjust to life in a pond. No, I'm here to remind us that there is an ocean and to encourage you and to have you encourage me to find our way back to that ocean together. I want to share with you a quote from the late Henry Noun whose writing on generosity has profoundly shaped how I live my life and approach this work of generosity as the rector of St. Michael's. In his book, A Spirituality of Fundraising, he writes this. We are inviting people into a new way of relating to their resources. By giving people a spiritual vision, we want them to experience that They will, in fact, benefit by making their resources available to us. We believe that if their gift is good only for us who receive it, it's not fundraising in a spiritual sense. Fundraising from the point of view of the gospel says to people, I will take your money and invest it in this vision only if it is good for your spiritual journey, only if it's good for your spiritual health. In other words, we are calling them to an experience of conversion. You won't become poorer. You will become richer by giving. We can confidently declare with Paul, you will be enriched in every way for your great generosity. And so at the end of the day, that's what this journey is all about. It's about having our life enriched enriched by the practice of generosity. But of course, the foundation for that whole journey is an understanding that the God we serve is extravagantly generous and that you and I are created in the image and likeness of this God. Meaning that as we grow in generosity, the only thing we ever lose or sacrifice is that which keeps us from knowing ourself more fully and that which keeps us from knowing God more fully. In other words, we get the ocean and all we lose is the pond. Amen.